1: them from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once
0: again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number
1: eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven
0: three eight one three eight one one. 381 381 Just to give you the latest on the Notre Dame Cathedral, and it is horrific. It's tragic, very tragic. Massive damage, lots and lots of ruin, I'm afraid. Uh, They do expect to save the two main towers. The fire for now is reportedly contained, uh, but expecting it to smolder for days. It was being renovated. Um... They've all but ruled out arson and terrorism. Uh, people say, well, why did it take so long to get there? First, it was a ton of traffic. It's in the middle of Paris, and yet it's on this island, if you will. And so access was very difficult. Tons of tourists, but, you know, it's the lead-up to Easter. So all this will be sorted out. But in the end, it's, it's horrible what took place and I'm sure it'll be rebuilt. Uh, it, is not, it has not been burned to the ground, but it has been very, very badly damaged, and God knows what's happened to everything in the uh, cathedral. So our deepest, you know, I was going to say our deepest sympathies to our Catholic friends, and I mean that, but this is really a tragedy for the world, too. Uh, I mean, even as a little kid, I, who, who doesn't remember Notre Dame or Notre Dame? It truly is one of the great, uh, not just buildings, but spiritual centers. It really is. And that's why people are very upset about this today. Catholic and non-Catholic. So uh, our sympathies go out, because it uh, really is quite, quite a holy place. There's a lot to get to today, and if we learn more about the fire there, I will certainly be the first to tell you, uh, which is what I would do in every instance you know uh, I've been watching the weekend coverage of this uh, Ilion Omar and it is amazing that when the democrats decide on a propaganda line or propaganda talking points how they are identical to what the media then report identical And how the Democrats, like Pelosi, know how to play into the media spin and how the media know how to play the Democrats. And it really is a dance that they do for you and me. They create their own reality. The Democrats have been inciting violence against President Trump since before he became President of the United States. The things they have said about him. I posted this on my social sites over the weekend. They've called him Hitler. They've called him Stalin. They've called him Mussolini. They've called him a white nationalist. A Klansman. A white supremacist. They've called him a neo-Nazi. They've called him an anti-Semite. A racist. Every imaginable, horrific word of evil that they can muster. And they've done this relentlessly. Now, the Secret Service is not allowed to tell us, but I wonder how many death threats our president has received as a result of this kind of language from Democrats, never-Trumpers, and the media. I just wonder, don't you? Now, we have Ilhan Omar, and we have report after report after report, and her saying that as a result of a tweet from President Trump, she has received death threats. So in other words, a person, a nut job, who's threatening her says, because Donald Trump did X, I'm doing Y, or I'm going to do Y. It's certainly conceivable. But let me tell you something. Ilian Omar has sought to draw attention to herself. Not as a statesman, not as a traditional liberal, not as a faithful Muslim, but as a Jew-hating, anti-Semitic, anti-American, radical. She has portrayed herself this way because that's who she is. So has Talib. And so has AOC. All three of them are truly insignificant figures. Insignificant. But the media continue to play them up. Because the media are as radical as they get. And there are a lot of Muslims out there. Quanta Ahmed, who has written a Fox News piece. Zudi Jasser, who will be on this program a little later, among others. There's a lot who reject her, who are repulsed by her, who find her unconscionable and her statements unconscionable because she's an Islamist, a fundamental Islamist. That's who she is. That's what she is. So what is this all about? What this is all about, ladies and gentlemen, is an effort by the Democrat Party and the media to prevent her from being criticized. She's not being criticized because of her race. You know, I was talking to Alan West earlier today. He said, look, if you're going to bring this up, please mention on the radio that a lot of us who have put our lives on the line and died since 9-11 in the United States military are black men and black women. He said, and he is repulsed by her. It has nothing to do with race. And, of course, he's right. He's right. She's not focused on because of her race. She's not even focused on because of her religion. She's not focused on because of her ancestry. She's focused on because of what comes out of her mouth. She wants to be focused on. The media have wanted her to be focused on. Now we're focused. Same with Aach. Same with Talib. These people are not in the mainstream of anything. They are out-extreming the extremists in the Democrat Party. And so the goal here is to intimidate you and to intimidate the President of the United States, to silence us all from criticizing her. I'm not going to be silenced from criticizing her. What is this, some Ivy League college campus? where We're not allowed to criticize her? And so now you see, if you challenge her and her bigotry you're inciting violence you're inciting violence and this is how the left works and over the weekend as I continue to go through my book to determine you know, how I want to present it to you when it comes out I start thinking about other things of course so what is it about Marxism and Socialism What is it about Marxism-Socialism, let's call it that, that attracts people? That causes people to hate the United States? Because this is basically the same ideology. It's a centralized police state ideology. And right before the show, I posted my, my thought. I think it just came to me. After all these years and reading thousands of books and so forth. And let me ask you what you think about it. And here's what I posted and here's what I wrote. The diabolical genius of Marxism-Socialism is that it provides the emotional and intellectual roadmap for autocrats to persuade millions of people to support their own enslavement to government. And this is what you and I reject. We're not buying into this. They're not persuading us of this at all. But they're persuading millions. Not only in this country, tens of millions, hundreds of millions overseas. The diabolical genius of Marxism socialism is that it provides the emotional and intellectual roadmap for autocrats to persuade millions of people to support their own enslavement to the government. It's not about racism, those of us who object to this. It's not about bigotry. It's not about a lack of compassion. We understand, either wittingly or subliminally, subconsciously, we understand what's at stake, that we are fighting for our very liberty, and individualism. And we also understand that there's an awful lot of people out there who are not. And others who are taken in by this. And others who are taken in by this. And fundamental Islam is the same way. Fundamentalist Islam is the same way. I'm not talking about Muslims or Islam generally, fundamentalist Islamists operate under the same mindset. That's why you see an overlap with Marxist socialists like Bernie Sanders and Ilhan Omar, where he said, you go, lady, you go ahead. Remember that? Pretty much. Gave her a call of support. We're not going to stop criticizing Omar when she says hateful, vicious things. We're not going to self-censor. That's what the media do. They self-censor when they like somebody or support somebody. They are celebrating these three women. That's how you know who they are. Over on CNN, Brian Steltzer, who is basically garlic mashed potatoes for a brain, if we want to call it a brain, or uh, organic applesauce. Let's do that for a brain. He's saying that the right wing and Fox, you see, is inciting and and drawing all this attention to Omar. No, let me tell you something, Stelter. You're too young and too stupid to understand. We know an anti-Semite when we hear one. We know a bigot when we hear one. You take sides when it comes to that. Conservatives don't. Conservatives don't. And we're not inciting anything. It's her mouth, her language. If she's inciting... It's on her, not on those who rightly criticize her and condemn her. And while Nancy Pelosi is getting a lot of attention out there for her 60 Minutes interview, which wasn't even an interview, it was a slobbering kiss fest, if you will. For basically blowing off the radical Islamists within her caucus. Pretty much. It's just saying, oh, well, there's five of them and so forth. Five of them is five too many, isn't it? It's like saying, David Duke, there's only one of him. Isn't that one too many? Isn't that one too many? But it is she, Pelosi, who continues to give Omar coverage with the phony resolution. The phony resolution... And now going out there saying she's talked to the Capitol Police about, you know, additional protection for Omar. First of all, if you want additional protection for Omar, you don't announce it because there's a lot of nuts out there. But she did that. Why did she do that? For political reasons. That's why there was no need to do it. You just do it. You just do it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimis absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right, you can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimis.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimis, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. An amazing thing, isn't it? We're not allowed to criticize Omar now. I mean, aggressively criticize her, even though she's an anti-Semite and even though she says horrific things about her own country. Uh, same with Talib, who pals around with Hezbollah types. In fact, shouldn't the media be far more critical of these people? Shouldn't the media have condemned Nancy Pelosi and her phony resolution? Shouldn't the media be more skeptical about these things? And yet the media are not. No, instead, we're all sitting here on the edge of our chairs, I say this sarcastically, waiting for the Mueller report Thursday morning. How much time do I have, Mr. Producer? Let's go to Brian Stelter on CNN yesterday. Cut five, go.
2: But the point is that this controversy was created. The construction of the frame, Omar downplays 9/11, is a key part of the story. These viral videos and tweets are how we argue about the future of America, but so much of it is based in bad faith. These outrage cycles corrupt us.
0: Now this is hilarious coming from this fool, but we actually have somebody who is outrageous. Go ahead.
2: Comment was used as a weapon against her, including by President Trump, who has pinned this anti-Omar. Say, video. say here
0: you go. It's Trump problem's Trump. If Trump would just go away, ladies and gentlemen, we'd be off to paradise. We'd have our democratic socialism, our Green New Deal, our endless number of illegal aliens climbing what's left of our walls or going around them. It would really be a special paradise here, wouldn't it? No, it would be a disaster. But now it's about Trump because he dares to tweet. Donald Trump hasn't learned that in order to be presidential... Everything you say must be filtered through the media. You can't go directly to the people you see.
2: Go ahead. Top of his Twitter page. Trump's video is what propelled this story all the way to the nightly news. So now it's being framed as Trump versus Omar. Some Democrats are saying... No, you
0: just, you just framed it as Trump versus Omar. You just did that. I think for now we call Brian Stelter BS, Mr. Producer. B.S. Brian Stelter, go ahead. In
2: danger, but there's something bigger going on here. With Wait, it. This tell us
0: what is what's going on.
2: It tells us something about the right wing rage machine, uh, and about how news priorities are set. The
0: history so now we have a right wing rage machine. See how this guy pours his uh, his applesauce brain into all the points. Go ahead.
2: It's a tug of war over who belongs, and who's equal, and who has power.
0: It's That's the- enough. This guy is as dumb as they come. He lives in a bubble. It's not the right-wing rage machine. It ought to be the American rage machine when somebody speaks as Omar does. And obviously, Mr. Stelter, BS, Brian Stelter, 2001, 9-11 was a long time ago for you it doesn't have the impact on you that it has and does on so many of the rest of us. That's quite obvious. I'll be right back. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions.
1: Do you ever talk back to your radio? Then you must be listening to Mark Levin. Pick up the phone and call
0: 877-381-3811. So we now learned uh, because Bernie Sanders on his own revealed his tax return information that he's paying 26% effective federal income tax rate, 26%. He's a millionaire. My effective income tax rate is 40%. 40%. I'm not including state. I'm not including Medicare. I'm not... 40%. I deduct almost nothing. And I have almost no deductions. I don't do any fancy investing I don't have anything overseas I'm not playing games so I'm paying a much higher effective income tax rate than Bernie Sanders and we're both in the top 1% and he's a Marxist and I'm a capitalist how about he pays 40% and I pay 26% Mr. Producer but I don't understand this mentality You run around the country talking about everybody should pay their fair share. By that, he means some confiscatory tax rate if you're successful. And he doesn't pay that. I do. I don't know how you can run around as a so-called democratic socialist, pay a 26 effective federal income tax rate, and go on and on about inequality... Income gaps, paying your fair share. Because the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, autocrats, whether they're Marxist, socialist, whatever they are, never live by their own words. Ever. Never. Ever. This is exactly why Bernie Sanders will never come on this program or any of my programs. Because it's a debate I'd like to have. Tom Perez is the DNC chairman. Prior to that, in Maryland, he used to run an organization that uh, would litigate on behalf of illegal aliens, just so you should know. And here he is on the Fox News Channel attacking Bill Hemmer, who obviously is a correspondent and an anchor on the Fox News Channel. Cut one, go.
1: Will you reconsider your decision on having debates here on the Fox News Channel? Well, you know what, Bill? Here's why we won't do that. Because... I don't have faith in your leadership at Fox News at the, t- the senior levels. I have great respect for Brett and for for Chris really. and for you, but you know you've, you've demonstrated that above your pay grade, they don't trust your own listeners, and so they feel like they have to put the the thumb on the scale. Tom, who I are you welcome Sir you to? The, the senior leadership of Fox News, who has. Uh, they have pierced that line between editorial and your Sean Hannity shows. If they want to do that, that's fine. But when you are on the news division... You know there is a line between what we do at 9 o'clock and what happens in the prime time. It's like reading a newspaper, Tom. Well, and, and it's been the same way for a long time. I really hope you come back, and I really hope you reconsider. We'll give you a fair And uh, Bill, shape, okay? I, I, I hope Pierce. you have a good conversation with the people I'm at the top time. to say thank you. Don't Please do come that. back.
0: Now, this is, uh, this is the propaganda of a tyrant. And when you do read my book on freedom of the press, you will see that Fox, not because I say so, but because of independent studies that are done by liberal, relatively liberal organizations including at Harvard make it abundantly clear that what really Mr. Perez wants is a network or a cable channel that is 90% in the tank for the Democrats that's why they appear on CNN that's why they appear on MSNBC that's why they attack Fox which, according to the Shorenstein Center at Harvard, is 52-48% split, 52% negative on Trump, 48% positive. Now, Fox also does a much better job of delineating between their news operations and their opinion operations. Although some of the opinion is leaking into the news operations, but more opinion from the left and the Democrat side than certainly the conservative and the Republican side which explains the 52% negative. So this is a lie, and they just keep repeating it. Other news organizations and Perez. And Perez sounds just like B.S. Brian Stalter, doesn't he? Just like him. And this is one of the reasons when you read Unfreedom of the Press, you're going to be provided with information you've not seen before. You're going to be provided with information, and I told you I'm going to take this book and I'm going to make sure my publisher, Simon & Schuster, sends it to every major media outlet. I'm prepared to debate them. Are they prepared to debate me? But this book isn't really for them. It's not for CNN or MSNBC. It's not for NBC or ABC or CBS. It's not for the New York Times or the Washington Post. It's for you. It's for you. There's stories out there. That Valerie Jarrett has a book. Doesn't she have a book out, Mr. Producer? Did I read that somewhere? And didn't I read that she didn't really sell enough to be in the top levels of the New York Times bestseller list? And where did I read that from? MRC or Newsbusters? Can you see if you can find that? I know I put that aside somewhere. And yet she's on the New York Times bestseller list. This is how propaganda works. It's a cycle. One endorses the next. One promotes the next. They can't even get the New York Times bestseller list straight, and they don't want to. They have all kinds of little things that they do, including liberal bookstores. If you sell more books at liberal bookstores, they weight that in your favor. Who's going to buy, you know, liberal bookstores? How many of them are going to buy my books as an example? But Mark, you've been number one the last five times in the New York Times bestseller list. You know why? Because of you. Because I'm able to sell so many books in the first few weeks, I have to be 20,000, 30,000 books ahead or it doesn't happen. Here's the story, MRC's Newsbusters. The Daily Caller is reporting that former senior advisor to President Obama, Valerie Jarrett, may have bought her spot on the New York Times bestseller list with her new memoir, Finding My Voice. I hadn't read this, but I did put it aside. Well, Jarrett's book was heavily plugged by the media. With full, fawning interviews on CNN, MSNBC, ABC's Good Morning America, and NPR's All Things Considered. It wasn't on the public's radar. It ranked a dismal 1,346 spot on Amazon's bestseller list and has only four customer reviews. Yet somehow, it's a New York Times bestseller. Now, according to the Daily Caller, you might say, Mark, this is inside baseball. Well, you know what? Sometimes inside baseball is important. According to the Daily Caller, anomalies around the book sales figures in industry databases have summoned the book business questioning whether Jarrett, who's rumored to have received a million-dollar-plus advance, paid a company to game the numbers, citing several book inside sources who called Jarrett's spot on the bestseller list inconceivable and sketchy, suggesting foul play. Now, I don't know any of this. I'm just telling you what they have here. There's likely an effort to game the system. It's the only explanation, one insider told the caller. Uh, There is another one, that the New York Times pushed her up there. This certainly isn't the only time the New York Times has been called into question. Several conservative authors have been censored from the paper's illustrious list, despite having best-selling books from Ted Cruz to Dinesh D'Souza to David Limbaugh, even the Wall Street Journal's Kimberly Strassel, who wrote a book the left didn't like on free speech. Dennis Prager called out the paper last year for purposefully excluding religious and conservative books its journalists didn't like. Prager pointed out that the author of The Exorcist sued the paper in the 1980s, and they were forced to admit that the list wasn't actually bestsellers, but about editorial content. Now, I'm giving you stories today. This Tom Perez, he actually goes on The Fox on the Fox News channel. He's prepared to trash them. Mediate, which is Dan Abrams' site, he founded it, is out there like lapdogs, lapping it all up, very excited about it. They have about nine liberals there, posters to one conservative, perhaps. And so they found this to be compelling. And they're constantly trashing Fox, whatever your opinion of Fox. They're constantly, constantly attacking Hannity and Carlson and Ingram. They want them out. They want them off. Even though the percentage of viewers who watch Fox compared to all the rest of the media combined is quite small. So you have this little flickering light of 52-48 balance against these 90 percenters. Against these 90 percenters. And then if you criticize them, it is said that you're against free speech. Or maybe you're even endangering their lives and promoting violence. Now it's damn well time we get to the bottom of this. We the people. I don't write books for Good Morning America and meet the press. I don't write books for the New York Times. I write them for you. But I do have a chapter on the New York Times exposing them in ways they've never been exposed before. As you well know, I I gave you a taste of that. And it's not just them. It's the entire... Psychology of our media today. Now you hear talk show hosts mention it at a fairly uh, surface level and that's okay. I was one of them. I did too until I wrote this book. So I want to strongly encourage you to jump in. Strongly encourage you to jump in. My goal is to get this into the hands of a million people. I already pay 40% taxes unlike Bernie Sanders who's paying 26%. And I'm a capitalist, not a democratic socialist, so that's not the issue with me. The least amount of money I make is through writing books. It's the most difficult thing to do that I do, given the time and the the, solitary, the solidari- and the and the, uh, and the and the focused work that you have to do. As I say, it's solitary is what I'm trying to say—the solitary work that's involved. But it's also something that you can sit down and digest whenever you're comfortable with it. And we're going to be talking a hell of a lot about this. I'm going to be doing at least four book signings, one, two, three, four, maybe a fifth. Maybe a fifth each weekend. But I won't be able to come to all your towns, and I won't be able to come to all your cities. I just can't. It's physically impossible. It's better that I talk to you right here. This is urgent. It's absolutely urgent. We have a major election coming up. Uh, I saw this guy, Nadler, on TV. Nadler's pushing for impeachment. He's not even wasting time here. This report is just a subterfuge. It's a pretext to move the ball. That's what it is. You've always known that if you've listened to this program, but that's what it is. And they're showing more and more an ankle. And in the case of Jerry Nadler, he's got big ankles. He's got big ankles. You can go to Amazon.com right now and order it. I think it's heavily discounted on Freedom of the Press. I've really got to make this stand. I'm really going to make this fight, but I cannot do it without you Levinites. We've got a ton more to talk about here. A lot's been going on in the last two or three days. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn, no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free, and you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. So Bernie Sanders is lying through his teeth he's doing exactly what you would expect him to do he's asked specific questions and he dances around and then paints a picture of nirvana as he's doing in his interview tonight just remember what I said the diabolical genius of Marxism socialism and you can include Bernie Sanders fill in the blank is that it provides the emotional and intellectual roadmap for autocrats which is what he is To persuade millions of people to support their own enslavement to the government. And they're good at it. Medicare for all. Oh, we like Medicare for all. Sure. Pick your own doctor, get you this, get you that. Oh, yeah. Medicare for all. Sure. I sit here right off the top. I say, so people who've never paid into Medicare get Medicare. Now, you know, that can't work. So people who've never paid into the system suddenly are on Medicare. Now, all you people who have paid into Medicare and are paying into Medicare and currently receiving Medicare, do you think that's fair? Do you think that's even conceivably logical in any respect whatsoever? Of course not. And why is it more noble to get health care from the government than the private sector? While there are many people who are very happy with the Veterans Administration, there are a hell of a lot of people who are not. And we never talk about them. We just allow the emotional and intellectual roadmap to be set forth. It sounds great without serious challenge. And yet it is the intellectual side where you have to address this, right? You have to unravel what the left is doing. But we also need to apply more emotion and passion to try and get to people for whom emotion and passion is more important than facts and information. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, what's the problem with Medicare for All? Now, the problem is Bernie Sanders pays a 26% federal in- individual federal income tax rate. That's his effective rate. You have others talking about a 70% to 90% marginal rate increased on every dollar after whatever their plans are. Doesn't matter. You have another one, Elizabeth Warren, talking about a wealth tax. I do not understand why these people just don't cough it up. So Medicare for all means that the people who are on Medicare and the people who've been paying into Medicare are now going to subsidize people who've never paid into Medicare, among others. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here. How are you? Our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811. All right, let's let, let's do things a little differently. Well, not differently for me, differently from the pack. Want a little history lesson? You know, sometimes I wonder and I don't know why I do this. Sometimes I wonder, I do my shows differently. You know, we get into history and economics, and we, we get into heavy-duty stuff. Do people even care? And yet the ratings come in like they, they started coming in today, and you clearly do. We have killer ratings in virtually every metropolitan area and in every, in every other part of the country. We have killer ratings. My Sunday show is killer ratings. Levin TV, I'm not allowed to say it's proprietary. We have an enormous number of people who subscribe to it. I don't know why sometimes I question myself. You know? By the way, I want to remind Bernie Sanders, there are millions of middle-class people who work for corporations. These are businesses. Millions have IRAs that invest in them, mutual funds. What would you do to them? You know, why do you keep attacking them? That would be my question. I mean, there are good companies and bad companies. There are good people, bad people. Good unions, bad unions. But why, why do you attack them? Why, why uh, uh, attack them as a whole? You see what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? At least I'm trying to say it. All right. Let's do a little history lesson. I'm about to tell you something that nobody in the media really knows because they don't even know their own history. As I say, by the time you're done with unfreedom of the press, you're going to know more than any of these anchormen. So let's just pick a spot. In 1810, Isaiah Thomas, not a basketball player, Isaiah Thomas, a printer, newspaper publisher, this is from my book, obviously, author and witness to the revolution, published a seminal two-volume book called The History of Printing in America with a biography of printers and an account of newspapers. That's the title. Thomas was among a very few who actually preserved the records of the printers during the Revolutionary War period. I tell you, when I sit down and write a book, I dig, as you can see. Thomas wrote in part that, quote, among the first settlers of New England were not only pious but educated men. They emigrated from England, where the press had more license than in other parts of Europe, and they were acquainted with the usefulness of it, and as soon as they had made those provisions that were necessary for their existence in this land, their next objects were the establishment of schools and a printing press, the latter of which was not tolerated till many years afterward by the the Elder Colony of Virginia." A printing house, see, there wasn't freedom of the press. The concept just was alien early on in America's history. A printing house was first established in 1638 at Cambridge, Massachusetts. Printing began in 1639. Thomas praised Reverend Mr. Glover for the early printing press in Massachusetts and America generally. Did I say Reverend? I did. Thomas referred to him as a nonconformist minister who left his native country with a determination to settle among his friends who had emigrated to Massachusetts because in this wilderness he could freely enjoy with them those opinions which were not countenanced by the government and a majority of the people in England. So early printing in America mostly related to debates about religion and later promoting the gospel and other books to Native Americans in their language. Thomas, this historian I'm telling you about, he wrote that, quote, the fathers of Massachusetts kept a watchful eye on the press in neither a religious nor civil point of view were they disposed to give it much liberty. Both the civil and ecclesiastical rulers were fearful that if it was not under wholesome restraints, contentions, and heresies would arise among the people. In 1662, the government of Massachusetts appointed licensors of the press, and afterward, 1664, passed a law that no printing should be allowed in any town with the jurisdiction except in Cambridge. Nor should anything be printed there but what the government permitted through the agency of those persons who were empowered for that purpose. It does not appear that the press in Massachusetts was free from legal restraints till about 1775. For several years preceding the year 1730, the government of Massachusetts had been less rigid than formerly, (coughs) and after that period, no officer is mentioned as having a particular control over the press. Now, except in Massachusetts, writes Thomas, no presses were set up in the colonies till near the close of the 17th century. Printing then was performed in Pennsylvania near Philadelphia and afterward in that city by the same press which in a few years subsequent was removed to New York. The use of types commenced in Virginia about 1681 typesetting and in 1682 the press was prohibited. In 1709 a press was established at New London in Connecticut and from this period it was gradually introduced into the colonies. But the press, that is, the printing of books and pamphlets and newspapers, would become free from license and prior restraint years before the revolution. Before 1775, printing was confined to the capitals of the colonies. But the war, the Revolutionary War, which was about to begin, was occasioned the dispersion of presses, and many were set up in other towns. After the establishment of our independence by the peace of 1783... Presses multiplied very fast, not only in seaports, but in all the principal inland towns and villages. During the lead-up to and commencement of the Revolution and the eventual victory over Britain, Thomas was most impressed with a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Eades, E-D-E-S. was a printer who founded and published the Boston Gazette with John Gill. When the dispute between Great Britain and her colonies assumed a serious aspect, they write, "This or uh, writes Thomas, "this paper arrested the public attention from the part its able writers took in the cause of liberty and their economy, and it gained a very extensive circulation." When the British troops arrived in force in Boston, Eads was able to escape with a press and a few types, quote unquote, and began printing from Watertown. 1776, Eads returned to Boston on the evacuation of the town by the British Army. Thomas wrote that no publisher of a newspaper felt a greater interest in the establishment of the independence of the United States than Benjamin Eads. And no newspaper was more instrumental in bringing forward this important event than the Boston Gazette. And I go on, not with an overwhelming history of the early days of the press, but a history that is very, very important. So you understand exactly why we have freedom of the press and exactly why it is under attack today, the difference between the founders of the press and those who abuse it. There's a professor, Carol Sue Humphrey of Oklahoma Baptist University. She's written a great book. And she explains that historians have long studied and discussed, so I'm skipping ahead and discuss the factors that led to the American Revolution. And they've always given ample credit for the success of the revolt to the press, particularly the newspapers, for their efforts during the conflict. Even those historians who wrote in the years immediately after the war praised the press for its many contributions to ultimate victory. Now, as an aside, you couldn't say that today. Do we have a press that supports individual liberty, private property rights, representative government our Constitution we have a press that supports progressivism which is the antithesis of everything I just mentioned we have a democratic party press is what I call it even those historians who wrote in the years immediately after the Revolutionary War praise the press for its many contributions to ultimate victory Now, Humphrey explains that during the first half of the 19th century, listen to this, historians emphasized the patriotism of the printers in their efforts to help America establish its republican system of government as as a model for the rest of the world to follow. These scholars are often classified as nationalistic or romantic in their outlook and conclusions. For these historians, the American colonies had an important role, an important role to play, making the world a better place to live through the spread of democracy and freedom. The newspapers served well in helping to bring about the break with Great Britain that led to these developments. Then she goes on, then they go on. But you know what happened? The turn of the last century, we had the progressive movement, didn't we? What did the progressive movement do? I'm skipping way ahead in the book. Just so you know, there's a lot here, and I think you're going to really enjoy this. What happened? The progressives do did what they always do. They rewrote history. And they dismissed the original historians <clears throat> who were closest to events and some who kept records. Some who kept records. As I write, the progressive and modern media... While they agree with the idea of a free press, they don't comprehend it the way that those who founded it did. The progressive historians were not about to let the early historians write the definitive history of the pamphleteers, printers, and newspaper publishers. Despite the fact that the early historians were obviously closest to the actual events, this is in the book, the problem for the progressives was that the early historians tell the story of the revolution and America's founding in which the principles and ideals of Western Enlightenment, individual economic and political liberty, lead to a mass movement, indeed a revolution. For America's beginning must be either reinterpreted by the progressives to accommodate their ideological project, or denounced as a fraud and a sham perpetrated by self-serving moneyed interests. As Professor Humphrey's, Humphrey explains, over time... Later historians provided different explanations of American history that parted from the early historians and their patriotic view of the role of the press. For example, she writes that after 1900 progressive historians presented a new interpretation of American history in an era concerned with inequities and the lack of unity in American society, she writes, in the 20th century, the progressive historians emphasized the presence of conflict from the initial settlement of the colonies down to the present. Most of the disagreements and arguments occurred between different classes of people or geographic sections of the American colonies, they wrote, but the Revolutionary Era represented a period of both internal and external troubles. Divisions existed both between groups with the colonies and between the colonies and Great Britain. In this environment, the press played an important role in encouraging and carrying out a crusade for change. You see how they whitewash our history? Going right into their progressive historians. <coughs> And this relates directly to what's going on with the media. Now, I'm not going to read any more. But it is very, very important to know this. There's a reason why the modern media gives voice to people who trash our history. And give voice to people who rewrite our history. Because the modern media agree with them there is so much disinformation so much social activism taking place and it has and it does permeate through all these institutions but especially the media which has more power than any really other institution in this country i'll be right back much love in watching something that's uh, very painful to watch, Mr. Producer, so I'm not watching it anymore. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Rich? You see it yourself. It's, it's painful. Painful. Oh, I like Brett and Martha. Very, very, oops, there you go. Very, very much. <laughs> but I would like to question Bernie Sanders when's the last time we asked him to on any of my shows when's the last time do you recall you want to ask him to come on again maybe he'll feel he's it's comfortable He's he's been on TV and far, maybe he'll come on my radio show and he'll reach even a bigger audience people don't understand this by the way people don't understand this talk radio has the biggest audience it really does Now, a friend of mine reminds me that many medical specialists have stopped taking new Medicare patients. So what happens? Doctors and nurses, nurse practitioners and so forth, they're going to be required to take patients. What they say, I don't want to take patients. What are we going to do to them? Drag them out on the streets and do what? This pie in the sky stuff. I just, I just want an opportunity to to have a friendly discussion with Bernie Sanders. He's the king of the uh, Democratic socialists, so-called. He's the king. He has studied it the longest. He's he's the he's been around the longest. He's an old time. Uh, let me be nice. He's an old time hard leftist. How's that? Long time, old time hard leftist. Now. You won't hear this on TV. There's three times when Democrats incited violence against their ideological opponents, writes Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire. Uh, Let's see. First, Omar's comments about 9-11 were not taken out of context. He says, second, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been a vocal member of the course, claiming that Ilhan Omar is somehow endangered by fair and completely in-context criticisms of public remarks she's made. But here's the three he points out. Not any different, really, than what we've talked about, but I like the way he writes it. Number one, Democrats claim that President Trump is a secret Russian agent in league league with Vladimir Putin. Two, Democrats accuse Brett Kavanaugh of being a serial gang rapist. Three, Democrats took a truly out-of-context video clip of a bunch of random high school kids from Kentucky and used it to paint them as privileged bigots. If this latest Ilian Omar imbroglio puts her life at risk, her comments about 9-11, then Democrats must ask her for, answer for putting the lives of the president, a Supreme Court justice, and a schoolhouse full of teenagers at risk. By their own standard, they are all essentially terrorists. Right, B.S. Stelter? But by a more reasonable and consistent standard, they are simply guilty of constantly engaging in irresponsible, reckless, libelous, and dishonest rhetoric. The criticism of Omar is none of those things Just criticism And well deserved, I would say More than well deserved It's right on point Nancy Pelosi Had a discussion with Jeremy Corbyn Do you know who that is? He's the anti-Semite who runs the Labour Party In Britain She feels she has a lot in common With the Labour Party in Britain Even many of the Labour members are Resigning from the Labour Party But Nancy Pelosi is getting used to this, what with Omar and the others and phony resolutions. More and more, she's able to handle this anti Semitism. I'll be right back. 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's L E V I N dot ncom or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. The cost of
1: freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811.
0: You know, I get sick and tired of Bernie Sanders concealing who he really is. You know, I'm a Democratic Socialist and the health care front. Let me tell you, this guy's an iron fist. He comes across as a uh, as a nice 77-year-old, harmless, you know, he's got these ideas, he cares about the people. Uh, no, no. He's not really truthful about what he believes and where he stands. I just saw his comments on Israel. He said, just because I am opposed to this right-wing government doesn't mean he's opposed to Israel. He's not just opposed to the quote-unquote right-wing government that's been elected, what, four or five times now by the people of Israel? He supports the PLO, the PLA, I should say, the Palestinian Liberation Authority, When Hamas attacks Israel, he defends Hamas and trashes Israel. He's in bed with this group CARE, which in my view is a Hamas front group. And yet he just pretends to be opposed to this particular, you know, Prime Minister of Israel. No, he's opposed to Israel. He's opposed to Israel. And he he was praising Mike Lee uh, because he and Mike Lee used the War Powers Act uh, that was passed, well, half century or so ago, uh, to, quote-unquote, get us out of Yemen. First of all, the War Powers Act is unconstitutional. It amazes me we have these so-called constitutionalists running around, beating their chests, praising themselves for their purity, and yet they use the very act that I view as unconstitutional. It's a very simple thing. If you believe that we shouldn't be spending money in Yemen, then you need to Husband the votes in the Senate and the House, and therefore override a presidential veto to do it. That's what the Constitution provides. There is no War Powers Act in the Constitution. Fortunately, it hasn't been challenged, but it's clearly, in my view, unconstitutional if you're an originalist. You have the power of the purse in Congress. But because they do not have enough people in Congress of like mind... To override what would be a certain presidential veto, now they use the War Powers Act that was passed. uh, Really, uh, after Nixon, so it 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 just it's not impressive that they were able to get the votes to do that. It's problematic. It's problematic and what we were doing in yemen wasn't serving saudi arabia's interests here i want to give you a little homework assignment i want you to google where yemen is mr Brutus. i want you to go nobody knows where yemen is right google it and tell me tell me where tell me why yemen is important not as an industrial country it's not in its poor as hell there is a violent civil war going on there because the iranians toppled the elected head of yemen toppled him and Iran is trying to take control of Yemen and for some reason even some people on quote unquote our side don't get why that's important that Iran is a problem and this isn't just an abstract theoretical debate Iran has murdered they've killed American soldiers Iran is behind Hezbollah you see where it is Rich have you had time to Google it Looking now, how about you, America? The Iranians consider Yemen crucially important, as they consider Syria crucially important, as they try to encircle Israel and for the purpose of Yemen to cut off Saudi Arabia and to control a main navigable area, water area. So they toppled the head of Yemen. You know, it's like... Whether it's pre World War One or pre World War Two, these guys think, uh, in kind of, they think they're really smart. We don't need to be everywhere. Who said we're going to be everywhere? You think Donald Trump wants us to be everywhere? But be, but not being everywhere doesn't mean we shouldn't be somewhere. And why should we be somewhere? Because these things have a way of building. Iran gets nukes. Iran conquers one more country. Conquers another country. Cuts off navigable waters. It affects the United States. China takes over the South China Sea. Most of us never heard of it, right? Ten years ago, South China Sea. They're trying to control the South China Sea. They're trying to control the East China Sea across from Japan. What does that mean? Well, that means they control trillions and trillions of dollars of commerce, including oil shipping and other forms of commerce that go through that area. Boy, that Google slow of yours, Mr. Producer. Now, do you see where Yemen is? But do you see how the control that that the Iranians would have if they control Yemen? You see the problem for Saudi Arabia. You see the problem for the rest of the Middle East. No, so you got the Russians in Syria, working with the Iranians, and you got the Iranians in Syria. You got the Iranians in Iraq. You've got the Iranians who are trying to top on while well, trying to control Yemen, and you got the Iranians building nukes. And the answer by some of these geniuses is, let's just stay away from it all. Let's pre- they're, they're ostriches. Let's just pretend nothing's going on. The reason you get involved in some of these events, and I don't mean sending troops everywhere either. I'm not an interventionist. I'm saying the reason you get involved in some of these events is so they don't wind up on our doorstep. Somebody, maybe it was the president, said, why are we involved in war 7,000 miles away? Because we don't want to be involved in wars in America. That's why. Why do we have troops in Germany so we defeated Germany? Why? That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Not only do we lose hundreds of thousands of men gaining these areas, building these alliances... But, but the problem is, we need to have four bases. We need to be able to move, or we're going to have to spend five times as much on our military so we can spring everything from American territory and the continental United States. We know that won't work. Let me put it in a different way. Why do you think China is now in our hemisphere? Why do you think China is now in Africa? Why do you think China is trying to get into the Middle East? Why? To be good neighbors? For fair trade? No, that's not why at all, because they are building militarily and a a worldwide uh, capability to defeat us, economically or otherwise. That's what Xi is doing as I speak right now. Why does he have killer missile systems up in space? Excuse me, killer satellite systems. Why? Well, he's got them because he knows our GPS systems, our eyes and ears. Our entire military is based on this kind of communication network. And so what do they plan to do if they plan to to take action one day? Blind us so we can't see what's going on, so we can't direct our missiles, we can't direct our tanks. That's what they're doing. They're doing it right now. I've had these experts on Life, Liberty, and Levin. I've quoted them on the radio here. I've had them on Levin TV. And these guys are not jokes. They're not hawks. They're not interventionists. These are people who monitor this stuff every day. They're patriots. They're patriots. And I think it's important that we pay attention to some of that. It's like this guy, uh, Assange. I had a friend of mine yesterday, wonderful person. What's wrong with Assange? Assange got to Hillary Clinton's emails. I said, the problem with Assange is he was conspiring and working with another, the guy that changed his sex. What's his name? I put him out of my head. Yes, Chelsea Manning. uh, To steal American data including from our Defense Intelligence Agency, our, our, our Army. Wow, but still he was going to get Hillary Clinton's email. Wait a minute. You don't get to steal our intelligence and give it to China and Russia and the rest of the world and put people's lives at risk? Since when do conservatives believe in this stuff? I'm talking to, uh, they're, they're in the media too. They, they, they rely on this guy, uh, oh, what the hell, Glenn Greenwald you ought to read the stuff this guy's written he might be right now with respect to the Russia collusion stuff but he's wrong 98% of the time I mean from my perspective and then he's promoted you got to be careful about this stuff the War Powers Act is unconstitutional so they just used it and they're proud of themselves because they say they're upholding the constitution no you're not and many of these are the same people who attacked the president who exercised his authority under the National Emergencies Act of 1976. That, they say, is unconstitutional. No, it's not. Depends how you do it and what do you do it for. And how he's doing it and what he's doing it for is not unconstitutional. But the War Powers Act is unconstitutional in every respect. In every respect. You know, folks, many of us think that the cyber crime that's taking place, and it's rampant, And it's backed by countries, and there's just others out there on their own, so forth, overseas. It just happens to other people, right? There's crooks here at home that use it, too. They're perfecting their skills. Now, you may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but that's not the case. And they're doing it more and more, stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi. It's one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to take your money. Now, when you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to take action to protect myself from cyber criminals. I use the best. You know what the best is? Express VPN. Express VPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Turning on ExpressVPN is so simple, you get protection with one click. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity right now and find out how you can get three months free at ExpressVPN.com. mark expressvpn.com slash mark. You'll get three months free with a one-year package. That's e x VPN, expressvpn.com slash mark. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. That Tiger Woods victory, wasn't that exciting? Many of you may not watch the Masters. I'm glad he's he's doing better. You know, I'm not talking about his life and all the rest of it, but he, bring, he brings excitement to golf. He just does. At least I think so. All right, let's see here. What did you want me to do? Oh, X chair. Well, now, uh, does your current office chair support you? If you're lucky, maybe it goes up and down. Compare that to my X chair with dynamic variable lumbar support, or DVLs, we like to say in the biz, you know. And you know my back. You know about my L5, that disc that broke into a billion pieces, and they cleaned it out. Didn't get all of it. There's a little piece still left there, as I understand it. But this chair helps me an enormous amount, disc or no disc. The X chair's DVL provides unbelievably comfortable lumbar support, And every part of the chair can be custom-adjusted to fit you, personally. That's why the X-chair is equally supportive and comfortable. Whether you're 5'2 and 110 pounds, 6'4 and 250 pounds. I can comfortably sit in this chair for hours. And now with the introduction of the X-Basic model, there's an X-chair for everybody, type and budget. Take advantage of X-chair's new financing option and pay as little as 30 bucks a month. Take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. Xchair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchair.com now. That's xchair oops, messed up. xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com. Or better yet, give them a call. 1-844-4Xchair. 1-844-4Xchair. Now Xchair comes with a 30-day no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction, so no risk whatsoever. Friends, it's a perfect Father's Day card, uh, Father's Day gift, as an example, but it's a perfect gift to you. Give it to yourself. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, use code XWHEELS, and you'll receive a free set of the new XWHEELS with your chair. They slide and glide. Perfect. xchairlevin.com. Get started right there. Check them out. Well, let's see. I don't even think I uh, dialed into the uh, call screen, Mr. Producer. Do you have a particularly annoying caller, a liberal perhaps, or do you have regular Americans? Yes, give it to me. Moses in New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead, my friend. Are you splitting the Hudson River as I speak?
3: (laughs) No, Mark. But um, if you will let me, I'd like to make a point before I make my point. Um, You got it. Go. Mark, I I just... I just want to let you know uh, how important what you do is to me, at least, and that whether you know it or not, you have changed my life. And I think that is why they want to try to silence people like you, because I happened to stumble across you on YouTube at a luck a couple of years ago, and my life has changed thanks to you. So thank, thank you.
0: Thank you. That's very kind of you. Appreciate it.
3: All right. I can't wait for your book. Um, the point I want to make is uh, – Yo, the the word of the day for the last couple of days has been incitement. I don't know if you've heard about, you know, some of the outrage of a CBS show. Uh, it's an all-access show called The Good Fight. When a couple of days ago, I guess they weren't content enough with uh, just putting it on the show. They tweeted out a disturbing image from one of the episodes featuring the words assassinate Trump right next to each other. And Who, who did this? Who did this? This was a C- CBS All Access show. It's called the uh, the Good Fight. Uh, this is this was actually uh, posted on the BonJudo so I know it's the real deal. And
0: uh, uh, I, Dan I did it. To, it's the real deal. Is it still up?
3: It is still up. It's still up. If you look, you, you can go right on the site and uh,
0: and find. All right, Mister Producer is p- Mister Producer is going to send it to me. Go ahead.
3: Thank you. I just want to make a the point. These guys are. You know, obviously, we know their game. You know, they point the finger when there's three pointing back at them and, and all that. But I'm starting to really get worried more because, you know, our, our president's doing great things. And I really feel like he was our, he's our last. I, chance.
0: I, I am. Uh, listen, I agree with you, Moses. And I've said this before. I'm very, very worried about his safety. The way people talk about him, Hitler, Stalin. Well, what do you do to Hitler and Stalin? That he's a racist, that he's got a growing following of racists, that he's a white supremacist and stuff like that. When you dehumanize somebody this way, and he's none of these things, and you dehumanize him day in and day out, day in and day out, you create these kooks like the guy that tried to kill those Republicans in the ball field a year and a half ago, Scalise among them. You create these kooks. Now the accused talk radio of this. We're not involved in this. And this is day in and day out calling somebody these names Hitler and Stalin and so forth and so on and 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 they purposely do that to dehumanize this president, and they are going to succeed if not already, with one tenth of one percent or more of the population and you got to hope there's not a nut out there
3: absolutely and on the other side, uh you touched on this before, they do the exact opposite with uh uh congresswoman omar so that you can't talk about her they make it so that everything you say is is racist or anti-muslim or whatever so look i'll tell
0: you you what i i I think you're really gonna, gonna like my new book don't hang up moses when it comes out i will sign this for you and get it for you and you'll see it'll all come together and you uh you really are uh you're on top of things and i appreciate it don't hang up we'll be right back Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's
1: here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark
0: Levin. Levin everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, the Pulitzer Prize, which is becoming a disgrace. When you saw who's on the committee, we talked about that last week, including Eugene Robinson of the Washington Compost. Maybe you'll see him on MSLSD from time to time. Broken record on Trump, of course, as, as the rest of them are there. That's why they have no audience. Multiple newspapers on Monday, reads the Hill newspaper, were awarded Pulitzer Prizes for their investigations into President Donald Trump. Reporters at the New York Times won the Pulitzer for explanatory reporting for their investigation into Trump's finances, which revealed that Trump and his family allegedly engaged in tax dodging. The Times investigation found that Trump's parents, blah, blah, blah. The Wall Street Journal also won a Pulitzer for national reporting. It's reporting that prior to the 2016 presidential election, Trump allegedly directed secret hush money payments. What's with this report? They're called nondisclosure agreements. Of course, they're secret. They're called nondisclosure agreements. And Congress knows them full well. They entered into a whole bunch of them. The difference is they used our tax dollars. And uh, let's see, uh, and Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen. So what does this mean? Well, this, again, it's the press congratulating itself for trying to destroy the president of the United States. And it's the Pulitzer Committee, which is now filled, loaded with leftists, trying to encourage other newsrooms and so-called journalists to do the same thing. So you can win a Pulitzer, too. Just go after Trump. Go after Trump. I don't see anybody here from the Washington Times, the Washington Examiner, none of that. No, it's the typical New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Compost, uh, the same people who uh, covered up the Holocaust and the mass murder of Ukrainians, which we'll talk about in the future to a greater extent. But these Pulitzer Prizes now are being handed out to leftists. Now, they'll hand one to a conservative now and then for opinion, you know. Oh, that was a good column. But news? No. By the way, I have a great guest on. Did I mention Zudi Jasser is going to be on? He happens to be Muslim, by the way. But he's not like Omar. He loves America. He actually served in the United States Navy. And he thanks God that his family came to this country. As do the rest of us. Let's hit a few more things. Jerry Nadler on CNN. I mentioned this in passing in the first hour. They're all sitting there. As the top of the network news that I'm compelled to listen to said, the White House is bracing for the report. Bracing. This is a sad state of affairs when prosecutors are writing reports. Again, I want you to put yourself in a position where a prosecutor doesn't bring a charge against you But he or she writes a report, and let's say that report is damning of you, and there's really no way to deal with it. There's really no way to deal with it. It's my intention to address this uh, on the uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern. I haven't done it yet because the report hasn't come out yet. But one way or another, I'm going to address it. So Jake Tapper's all excited because he's a fraud. But so is Jerry Nadler, because he's a fraud. Cut 13, go.
1: Uh, In terms of the uh, the Mueller report, we already know that the special counsel report does not reach a conclusion when it comes to whether President Trump obstructed justice. But Attorney General Bill Barr, he did reach a conclusion. He says there is not sufficient evidence to establish that the president obstructed... Now, now, stop there.
0: Now, let's hear the really, really brilliant journalistic question that he asks. Go ahead. Does that end the debate over obstruction of justice? Oh, so we already know what Nadler's going to say. Good going there, Jake. Jake the fake tapper. Jake the fake news tapper. He's just great, isn't he? Every now and then he'll do something that's actual journalism, and the conservative websites are so excited they can't help they They, put, they slap it up there. But it, that's quite the exception to the rule. Does that end the debate over obstruction of justice? Now we know what Nadler's going to say. So basically, Tapper has picked a guest. He's got a question. He knows the guest. He knows the answer to the question. So he's pushing his narrative and encouraging them to impeach the president. Here you go. Go.
1: Not especially since Attorney General uh, um, Barr, before he became Attorney General, wrote a long memo in which he said... All right, so now a- we're
0: going to go back to a memo the Attorney General wrote before he was Attorney General. He's dismissed. He's dismissed. Depending on what Mueller says, he'll be dismissed. Unless, of course, he gives them good cherry pick stuff, then he'll be embraced. Doesn't matter. The narrative is set. And let me just say this if this president is impeached on all this bogus BS, you're going to have over 60 million Americans who are going to be furious. This isn't Richard Nixon. This isn't Richard Nixon. Who, in my view, was mistreated, too, given what Kennedy had done and what Johnson had done. And again, you'll read that in the book on Freedom of the Press. That said, Trump has done nothing, nothing to deserve this, nothing to deserve this kind of coverage. And this guy Nadler, because he's chairman of the House uh, uh, a Judiciary Committee, they push him out, push him out, push him out, because he's really chairman, listen to me, of the House Impeachment Committee. That's what's going on here. They're using our tax resources. For this opposition research, for their own ideological purposes, those of us who voted for this president, they're actually using our tax dollars to try and take out the man you and I voted for, with our money. And today's tax day for half the country. Half the people in this country are on the dole, they don't pay one damn penny. The other half pay the full freight. Sick of that too, Bernie. Anyway,
1: go ahead. And could not. Uh, uh, obstruct justice because the president is the boss of the Justice Department and could order it around to to, to, to institute an investigation, to eliminate an investigation. Well, he
0: hadn't done any of that, you mealy-mouthed buffoon.
1: Go ahead. He questioned about that. In other words, he thinks that as a matter of law, a president can't obstruct justice, which is a very wild and uh, uh, theory. Nobody uh, said that.
0: Why are you lying? give me an example of how a president can obstruct justice there's an there's a uh, investigation going on investigation going on involving the president of the United States and the president of the United States lies under oath or destroys material evidence that would be obstruction Firing your FBI director at the recommendation of your deputy attorney general and Obama being encouraged to fire the same person or people demanding his resignation in the other party up to the very moment he left the presidency, that's not obstruction. It's never been obstruction. Or a president saying things publicly or saying things that are contradictory because he's a politician, he's a businessman, uh, I mean, or, or he's president. You know, he's not tracking all these things. That's not obstruction either. Even asking the FBI director to, why don't you consider laying off that guy and giving his opinion to that guy. That's not obstruction either. Now why? Why isn't that obstruction? Because he's not inf- affecting the investigation. I mean the FBI went on it's merry way plotting against the president of the United States it turns out trying to remove him from office trying to trigger the 25th amendment the president's not required to sit there quietly while this cabal operates in the shadows he's not he's not required to sit there quietly while he's attacked in the media through through s- scores of leaks coming from investigators and prosecutors and those same investigators and prosecutors are then going to turn around and say the president obstructed?
1: Go ahead. To which most people do not, uh, uh, do not agree. Um, and the fact of the matter is we, we should see and judge for ourselves, and that's for Congress to judge whether the president obstructed justice or not, and for the public ultimately.
0: Oh, thanks a lot. He's looking out for all of us, folks, don't you know? Congress cannot make a legal determination on whether the President of the United States obstructed justice. Congress is a legislative body filled with political hacks. They have to follow the Constitution just like the President does. Just like the President does. And they bounce around. You can see how elusive this is. We have to see if it obstructed justice. And, you know, these, these experts are out there saying it's impossible for him to obstruct justice. But Congress gets to decide. Congress gets to decide what? Whether he obstructed justice? No, you don't get to decide that. You get to decide if he committed any impeachable offenses. High crimes and misdemeanors, bribery and so forth. Now, whether he obstructed justice. Look, this, this is a, a mob of henchmen. Looking for any reason to politically hang the president of the United States. That's the bottom line. And Tapper knows that this is a fan dance. They're all doing a fan dance. They play games with you and me, they create their own reality. These are all pseudo events that they're turning into impeachable offenses. Nothing happened. There was no collusion, there was no conspiracy, there was no obstruction. I don't give a damn what all these Democrat prosecutors had to say. Period. There was no secret indictment to toll the statute of limitations, senior analyst. None of it. Now this is completely manufactured. It's all manufactured. And that's why the president fights back. That's why he's not going to have his words, you know digested through a hostile media, and then spit out to you. That's why he goes to Twitter. That's why more and more, before he gets on the helicopter, he talks to us the way he does uh, over the heads of the media that ask him questions. I do not believe that Mr. Tapper, Mr. Nadler, and all the rest of them understand the fire that they're playing with. I do not believe they get it. And how they continue to divide this nation. Polarize this nation. Balkanize this nation. You can thank the media and the left. I'll be right back. Mark I wanted to circle back with you because I wanted to read this from the uh, Dan Bongino site. Dan is a very, very dear friend, obviously, at bongino.com. Outrage after CBS, after after CBS show tweets image with words assassinate and Trump. CBS all-access show, The Good Fight, tweeted a disturbing image from one of its episodes featuring the words assassinate, Trump, and eliminate, and Mar-a-Lago. The image was of a list of target words used by NSA analysts on the show in an episode where one of its characters joins a female resistance group, quote, tasked with dragging down Donald Trump's approval ratings, unquote, as Fox News points out. The now deleted tweet states, hmm, some of those target words look a little familiar. Did you catch any Easter eggs in this scene from the one where Diane joins the resistance along with the image of the list? And the image of the list includes the words I just mentioned to you. And Bongino saved it all, and it's up on his site, bongino.com. I mean, it is absolutely extraordinary what's taking place in Hollywood and in our newsrooms. What they say about this president, you and I have never, ever seen or heard anything like it. Then they turn around in defense of Omar, claim that the attacks on her are racist, that the attacks on her are resulting in death threats, so we're not allowed to talk about her now. She can go out and say whatever she wants about Jews. She can go out and trash America. She can go out and let's be honest about it, downplay 9-11. She could have said who did it. She couldn't even say Al-Qaeda. And there she is at CARE. Now, this is serious stuff. And the same House of Representatives wouldn't even pass a resolution condemning her for the multiple previous times that she made these, these, these outrageous comments about Jews. And then you have this clown, Talib running around, everybody's a racist, everybody's a racist. No, she's an anti-Semite. And you don't get away with just calling everybody a racist. You're anti-women, don't you know? You're anti-minorities, don't you know? You're anti-Muslim, don't you know? No, we don't know, because we're not. If America was anti-Muslim, the war that was fought in Iraq, the battles that are taking place in Syria would be handled quite differently. It's an awful lot of Americans who aren't Muslim. The vast majority of them Christian who are in Afghanistan trying to protect Muslims from Muslims. Who are in Syria trying to protect Muslims from Muslims. Who are in Iraq trying to protect Muslims from Muslims. Resources in Yemen trying to protect Muslims from Muslims. So we don't need any lectures, Americans of all stripes, of all religions, we don't need any lectures From fundamentalist Islamists who happen to get elected to Congress from Minneapolis, St. Paul, and other areas of the country. We don't need lectures. And I'm sick and damn tired of it. But let's be clear Nancy Pelosi is full on in defense of these women. Nancy Pelosi's in charge of the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi was in charge of that resolution. Nancy Pelosi's the one now who's telling us all that Omar's getting threats, so you better shut your mouth. Trump, on the other hand, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, whatever you want. CBS, all access show. Good job, CBS. But they're not alone. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post. The major networks in this country. This is why they hate Fox. Because you got a few hosts, a relative handful of hosts. Who don't do the conga dance. Who aren't part of the conga line. I'm not kidding. Outrage after CBS show tweets image. Well, where's the outrage? Maybe on the Internet. Where's the outrage? Did CNN do a show attacking CBS? Of course not. They're close with CBS. ABC, NBC? No. How about MB, uh, MSM? No, 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 no. Assassinate, Mar-a-Lago, Trump. That's okay. That's okay. Omar's an open-mouth anti-Semite. No, 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 don't say it. True, but don't say it. I'll be back with Judy, with Zutty Jasser, who happens to be Muslim, in just a few minutes.
3: Then, a champion of freedom.
4: You know, you're one of the greatest champions
1: of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at
0: 877-381-3811. Zutty Jasser is an old friend of this program. He's president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. He's Muslim. He uh, served in the Uni- United States Navy, a great patriot. I, without his consent or even knowledge, had encouraged the uh, governor of Arizona to appoint him to the United States Senate. I think that would have been absolutely incredible, but the governor did what the governor did. Zudi Jasser, how are you my friend?
4: Wonderful Margaret, it is always humbling to be with you and and thanks for having me back. It's great to be here.
0: You know Zudi, the reason I want you on is is I need a common sense te- uh, you know check here. I listened to this Ilian Omar, <coughs> she is trying to be, honestly, the face of modern-day Islam. Talib, also, of a Palestinian background, she does the same thing. They work in tandem with uh, with AOC. Ilian Omar has said some truly horrible things about this country, about Jews, about Israel. And really, the way that she talked about 9-11 was outrageous, even though the media are downplaying it. Then the president responds... And now they say she has threats on her lives, so everybody's not t- to criticize her. This is pretty damn outrageous. What do you make of this?
4: Well, I have to tell you, the, the only silver lining, Mark, is that America is getting an education about the world I live in, which is these radicals are running most of our Islamic organizations beyond the narrative of simply the, the words she said that were offensive about nine eleven. She was speaking to an organization that was actually founded long before 9-11, was founded as a Hamas front group, and as part of the Muslim Brotherhood legacy group. She was speaking uh, in a, in, through a, a lens that looks at America as uh, uh, the, the Satan, if you will, or that looks at America in a very negative way. Uh, I mean, America's getting an education about how Islamists see the world. Her, her 9/11 quote uh, on her Twitter feed, of comparing herself to Bush, is the summit of arrogance, and also is, is deceptive in that uh, not only was she well, not only was she wrong, but uh, she uh, deceived. in the fact that uh, bottom line is, is she doesn't see want to even name Al Qaeda. She wants to uh, somehow ignore the fact that we declared war and we went to war at the time. If you look at her Twitter feed, it's a constant regurgitation of America as the enemy. I mean, I served on the USS El Paso, went to Operation Restore Hope in Somalia, and her tweet about that war from '93 that she mentioned two years ago in her Twitter feed was that America killed thousands, not that we went to actually take food and humanitarian mission in the early 90s. So it's not just that one speech. And by the way, who spoke after her at that fundraiser? Hassan Shibley, who's representing ISIS brides on behalf of CARE. So the bottom line is that she's hanging around some pretty radical people with a world view that America's getting an education about is no different than the U.N.'s world view, where we see sort of this red-green axis where the socialists of the world, the Maduros of the world, hang out and and feed from the troughs of the Irans, the Qatars, and the Erdogans of the world.
0: By the way, uh, close your ears on the Zooty. Governor uh, Ducey of Arizona, you really blew it. Again, uh, Zudi Jasser doesn't want anything from me or you, but you really blew it. Back to Zudi Jasser. Um, and now we're told we can't criticize her. The president can't criticize her because she's getting threats. Now, the president they call Hitler and Stalin and a white supremacist and a racist and an anti-Semite and all these other things. Uh, I can only imagine the amount of threats that he gets. But now we're, they're trying to shut down criticism of her. What do you make of that?
4: This is, by the way, I hope every one of your listeners understands. CARE has a list of what they call Islamophobes, which is basically a hit list. I've been at the top of that hit list for six years. I've had my name on the list of al-Qaeda, of ISIS, all over the planet, which basically is a death threat from that organization she was raising money for. I never complain. I've got my big boy pants on, and I understand that that's the way Islamists operate. They're not going to shut me up through threatening me or having me become uh, 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 the fodder for radicals across the planet. But in America, we have free speech. We don't let incitement use the rules of the Saudis' rules of incitement, where any criticism becomes blasphemy, and thus they shut down free speech. So all she's trying to do, and all the cares, and the left is trying to do, is shut down free speech by crying about incitement. Meanwhile, their incitement... Where American patriots like myself are on the list of their own hit list, go to Islamophobia dot org and see my name at the top, and you'll see why my name has been on the on
0: the list in Arabic of Syrian. How, how can and you and be ISIS. Islamophobic? Aren't you Muslim?
4: Exactly. Well, they they decide the 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 clerics of care decide who is a Muslim and who is not, and that is. Their tech fear or the decision of excommunication. So it doesn't matter what I say or that I pray or fast or that I memorize Quran. That doesn't matter to them. Since I'm against the Islamists, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, their political movement that's anti-American, that makes me thus no longer a Muslim.
0: What do you make of the Democrat Party tolerating this?
4: The Democrats, uh, you know, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, has been treating uh, has been treating Ilhan Omar like uh, Ilhan Voldemort of uh, Harry Potter. She doesn't want to say her name, and she's afraid of her. They're afraid of the radical, and even Rashida Tlaib has been threatening Speaker Pelosi now, saying, you've abandoned us, we demand to have our rights. I mean, this is the way the tribal thugs of the Islamists operate, is that they, they threaten sort of the, the mainstream establishment, if you will, and Pelosi has cowered to it. She's afraid of her social media platform. And really, at the end of the day, the the tails wagging the dog. These freshmen, uh, they're not going to be held accountable for uh, the words that they use. The recurrent anti semitism. They actually patronize them in a bigotry of low expectations, where they feel, oh, don't worry, they don't know the words they choose." Or and, and she won't even hold her accountable. Imagine anyone else saying what this new congressperson has said about Israel or about the Jews or about nine eleven. They would have quickly repudiated her, but. For them, they're just sort of, it's the identity politics. Everything at the altar of identity politics is sacrifice.
0: I see. I've been on this list in the past. I don't know if I still am. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I see. I, I just pulled it up. I didn't even know there was a list. In 2016, I assume I still am. Uh, that's a long list. They got, they, got a, they got a lot of conservatives on this list, don't they?
4: They sure do. A- and, and they have a lot of Muslims
0: they, on this list, I see.
4: Our Muslim Reform Movement is on the list. So the left hypocrisy where they're worried about her death threats while she's raising money for an organization that has an open hit list is just absurd.
0: I mean they have uh yeah I'm I'm looking at the list now. Now but but here here's my question to you. They say these things about the President of the United States. The Secret Service cannot even tell us how many death threats he receives uh, and Uh, I don't know what death threats she has received. Nobody should receive death threats. I get them. You get them. A lot of people get them, and it's a very, very dangerous thing. But why would Pelosi then go public and say, look, we're going to look at the uh, Capitol Police and uh, our protection of Omar because she's getting threats? You know, as a chief of staff to an attorney general, the way you would have handled that is you go ahead and muscle up your security, but you don't announce it. It seems like that's Go ahead.
4: They've done polling, and the, the Muslim as victim is it just goes through the roof on their little dial for the left, for the far left, if you will. So they're going to milk it as much as possible that somehow this is uh, uh, a, a abomination, that somehow she's being threatened. And uh, never mind that there's been no incitement at all against her. It's just simply disagreement, and they're treating her like a child. I mean, for crying out loud, she's a member of Congress. And uh, if Congressman Dan Crenshaw or others want to appropriately uh, talk about them being offended that she minimized 9-11 and that she has anti-Semitic beliefs, that's not an incitement. But yet they want to somehow make her into sort of this new freshman child who's being uh, ridiculed. And, you know, the readers of Rolling Stone where Pelosi and Ilhan Omar were on the cover a few weeks ago. are all going to be offended because, and I find that bigoted actually as a Muslim, please treat me like you would everybody else. I said this in New Zealand. I was in Australia for weeks ago, and I said, listen, that was a horrific act that happened in New Zealand, but please don't give away your liberties on behalf of me simply because you feel sorry for our community. That is absurd.
0: I'm concerned, quite frankly, that what the media and the Democrat leadership are trying to do is to convince the vast majority of the American people that this is sort of mainstream Islam. What you're hearing from these people, and, <clears throat> and you should accept it. You shouldn't criticize it. And, um, I mean, for that resolution, not even to name her, how else would – I mean, how, do, how else do you explain this? I mean, if you had a Democrat party media that were serious about bigotry and anti-Semitism in this case with her, I think they'd be a lot harsher on her, don't you?
4: Oh, absolutely. And I think you really – you know, Mark, you've gone to the, the jugular here, which is the key – is, and this is why I'm so animated about this, is please, America, this is not our faith. She does not represent Muslims. Uh, you know, this is not... Uh, the radical Islamist wing of our of our faith community is not what every... Most Muslims I talk to say, please keep keep speaking up, Zudi, because she does not represent what I believe. Her attitude about 9-11, she got all animated in her speech when she was talking about New Zealand, and then she minimized 9-11. That's not the attitude of most muslims that i know and yet the democrats want to continue to prop up the most radical in our community because they don't want to deal with reforms they don't want to deal with the 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 baggage of having to deal with you know critical theology as far as sharia and other things they just want to sweep it under the rug and and continue to have this bigotry of low expectations and use them for identity politics because if they're more orthodox and extreme and wear hijab they're more obviously muslim so they can use them to... Remember back when Ellison uh, was up at the podium and, and, and Pelosi was whispering to you, tell him you're Muslim, tell him you're yeah, Muslim. And she yeah. was saying that to Andre Carson a couple years ago. This is their M.O. They don't care about ideology. They don't care about true diversity of ideas. All they care about is using us for props.
0: And you know, it's interesting. I have a very good friend who's Muslim and he lives in Pakistan. And I have a very good friend who's Muslim and he lives in Japan. And we always keep in touch, by the way. And they obviously know I'm Jewish. That's my name. <clears throat> they know who I am. They know what I do. And they're not, they, they, they watch this, and they listen to her. One of, you know what one of them said to me? She's a refugee. They decided to come to the United States. They had to ask to come to the United States. They had to make their case to come to the United States. Then she becomes a citizen several years later. And now she trashes the United States in the halls of Congress, on the floor of the House of Representatives, and care. Does this make any sense to you?
4: It only makes sense when she's being used, and unfortunately, uh, they'll they'll throw it away when it doesn't serve their political purposes anymore. Uh, meanwhile, Erdogan, the, the Islamist tyrant of Turkey, his three media arms today are celebrating her courage. Uh, press TV of Iran is celebrating the the leading congressperson, as is, by the way, David Duke. Uh, so, the bottom line is that she needs to look at who exactly is celebrating her prominence. And uh, other than Pelosi and the far left, who, by the way, there's a reason they don't use her name. It's because uh, they realize that she's not exactly moderate on many issues, so they they are simply using it from a political point to get to Trump, rather than actually to deal with the Muslim issues that if they really loved our community, they'd be more tough on.
0: Zudi Jasser, if people want to contact you or find out where your organization is or how to support or where do they go?
4: Please find us at AIFDemocracy AIFDemocracy.org or find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser Z U H D I Jasser
0: Well you're a great patriot and we much appreciate it Take care of yourself Anytime. God bless Mark. Thanks. You too Zudi. Such a good guy Now you know what's annoying? The fact that break-ins are still happening. They don't have to happen Well, I mean, they'll happen, but they don't have to happen to you. Now, why is that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, crooks are bad people, but they know how to be crooks. That's why they're crooks, and they know what houses they hit. And if they notice that you have a security system, it's less likely that they're going to hit you. And if they do hit you and you have Simply Safe, well, that's the best system you can get. The technology is unbelievable. And the response time on uh, 24-7 coverage is really incredibly fast. Uh, it's among the fastest times in the entire industry if there's an emergency. Uh, and there's no way they can block block the alarm because they don't use wires. There's nothing to cut. And it's very simple to put in place. Uh, you pull off the back and it sticks to the wall or to the window or however you want to use it, how many you want to use. And they have all they have th- these magnificent systems. I really want you to check them out. And by the way, they're a top choice security system for CNET, PC Magazine, and more than 3 million of us. We the people. Just go to simplysafemark.com and learn more about Simply Safe. Order today, you'll get free shipping on your system, as well as a 60 day money back guarantee. No risk. That's simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. see here, just getting my act together. Zudi is terrific, isn't he? Mr. Producer, I'm trying to pull up that... No, never mind, I have it here. I have it here somewhere. All right. I have a question for you. What does Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders have in common with Republican Senators Rick Scott and Josh Hawley? I'm sorry. You say nothing, you're wrong. All three have introduced Socialist Price Control Legislation for Drugs. And not just for Medicare. You see, this is the problem. We have these soft progressives never standing up for individual liberty, or at least when it counts. Now, I've been warning you about this. I've been warning you that all three have introduced socialist price control legislation, and not just for Medicare. And now we have Republican Scott and Hawley joining Bernie Sanders and calling for European-style socialist medicine. Now, here's what they don't tell you. of course, when selling their socialism plan, first of all, they don't tell you it's socialist. But Europe lags significantly behind the United States in pharmaceutical investments and access to new drugs. Why? Well, that's what price controls does. That's what that does. It's a disaster, as you well know. And why do we have to tell Republicans? I mean, it's just incredible to me. All right. The same time the U.S. remains the world leader. Because we have rejected them. We have rejected them. Investments in research and innovation allow millions of Americans to live healthier, longer, more productive lives, right? European citizens who live in country with the price controls are paying for it with their health, sometimes their own lives. And uh, they only have access to a fraction of the life-saving treatments Americans have. The ignorance of Bernie Sanders doesn't surprise me. He's an old-time red. But Senators Scott and Hawley, now they should know better. Price controls never work. That's why I'm speaking out. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com. Truehealthcarefacts.com. You know, uh, I'm on a wonderful station in Arkansas, in uh, in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, K L I N. There is a local host there by the name of uh, Kobe. And uh, terrific host, and Kobe Mack was loved in in Lincoln, and he was a great radio host. And unfortunately, on Friday, he was found dead from an apparent suicide. So I just wanted to uh, give my deepest sympathies to his family, the people at KLIN, people who know him and worked with him. It's a horrible, horrible tragedy. Suicide definitely is. It's a terrible thing. And so uh, God bless them. Well, I only got to like half of what I wanted to get to, ladies and gentlemen. Half of what I wanted to get to. But still, that's like 100% of everybody else. I hope you'll take the time, after I leave the air, to go up on Amazon, Amazon Amazon.com, and look up Unfreedom of the Press. Look at the little couple of paragraphs we have there. I hope the discount there on Amazon will encourage you to pre-order uh, because we have a heavy lift ahead. You, I, Levinites, as we always do, we're going to lead the way. And I'm going to want to make sure you have a copy of that book. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless you.